Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Happy New Year to you all. This is our first podcast of 2022, and I think overall, Simon, it's our 406th. We didn't commemorate our 400th podcast because there was so much going on in the ashes. Anyway, we're on 406. Thank you, of course, to everyone who's listened to us uh, through, well, all those 406 or any part of them. And it's it's a day today, I suppose, for the underdogs, is it? Because not only have England fought back well to, to have a decent day in the ashes for once in this series, but also, even more memorably, Bangladesh have beaten New Zealand in a test match for the first time and in New Zealand as well. The world test champions have been beaten by Bangladesh, one of the probably you would have considered the minnows of, of Test cricket, but uh, they're some giant killers uh, today with a special moment for them. Yeah, you'd have to say one of the big upsets in the history of Test match cricket, wouldn't you? You've got a team here in New Zealand of the World Test Champions against a Bangladesh side that don't travel well. Their away victories have been in the West Indies you know, against a, an ordinary West Indies side around about 10 years ago. They won in Zimbabwe and they won in Sri Lanka. But to go to New Zealand and win there is a, is a remarkable uh, turn of events, really. And not only win there, but win very comfortably in the end. Bowled New Zealand out for, what, 3.28, got a big first innings lead of 130 and then rolled them over in their second innings and knocked them off, thanks very much, a win by eight wickets. And when you, when you go to Bangladesh, and I've been there a few times now, you, you, you see the sort of passion for the game in that country and you, you, you think that, yes, this is a country that should be doing better at international level. I know it's all to do with resources and that through flow of players as well is a big country and in theory lots of resources or lots of you know big playing talent or big playing pool in, in theory but you know can you get that 
talent to be developed. And that's the other thing is you know, how many people play cricket in Bangladesh despite the enthusiasm for it. But to come through and, and do what they've done in, in New Zealand is a, is, a, is a huge boost to them. And, you know, they are world under-19 champions as well. You, you've got to remember that. They, they won the, the under-19 World Cup a, a couple of years back. But they've had so many poor... T- performances well, false in, start, in, sort of false, yeah, false, false yeah, doors definitely. Anyway. I mean, you sort of you you get excited about. The, well, I mean, they, I remember them beating Pakistan in the nineteen ninety nine World Cup in mm. I think it was Northampton, and yeah, you know, that was a great was. day for them. But it sort of didn't really take off. And actually, just a, a few stats. So it's the first time they've beaten New Zealand in Test cricket in twenty one years since the first time they played them. They've played New Zealand thirty two times in all formats in New Zealand and never beaten them. Uh, so that's uh, another you know, major achievement. And I suppose the other thing is, you know, all this talk about COVID and biobubbles and looking after players' mental health and so on, they had to spend an extra three days in quarantine after their uh, bowling coach, Rangana Harath, the former Sri Lankan left arm spinner, tested positive. So, you know, they've had even more things to deal with. They're missing two of their uh, main players as well, Tammy McBell and Saqib al-Hussain. So, you know, they really have actually triumphed against adversity, a, a tremendous achievement. Yeah, no Kane Williamson in the New Zealand lineup. He, he wasn't available uh, for this test match. But even so, you, you know, you would expect, all things being equal, uh, New Zealand to sort Bangladesh out quite comfortably. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, been tours in the past where Bangladesh have gone to New Zealand and it's been a, a mismatch, it's been frustrating for the for the locals. You, know, you want a contest, but this time, goodness me, they didn't half get one, didn't they? And it, it's it's really just, it's, it's given them a lift in the World Test Championship as well and knocked New Zealand back a bit in the World Test Championship because they would have thought, well, this is a, a series we'd expect to get maximum points from. So you, you'd think overall it's also a benefit to India and Australia who have gone well so far. So, uh, yeah, uh, what you hope, I suppose, for for Bangladesh, and it, because the, t- the Test match arena, it needs as many strong sides as possible in, in the current era. You know, if, if you have, if it just sort of it withers on the vine, and you just get a f- two or three strong sides, then you know that's no good to anyone. So, it's it it. it I don't know how significant it is in the long run. Let, let's hope Bangladesh can build on it. That's the point, isn't it? And 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 obviously be strong at home but also be really competitive away from that, home well, that's, well. The that, key that's the key it. that's the key to it is winning away from home that gives you so much confidence uh, in that your your playing depth your talent depth and also your versatility adaptability you know it's all very well winning at home Bangladesh is a very hard place to play if you're a, a visiting team you know the funny little skiddy low pitches lots of spinners they're very good at batting and bowling in in their own surfaces which are sort of not like anywhere else it's interesting actually that if you look at the history of of Bangladesh you think of it with a big population of 200 million people and you know lots of cricketing talent that it should be a strong cricketing nation but actually when it first started as a nation in I think the the early 1970s it was East Pakistan before that Uh, It wasn't a a cricketing nation at all. Bengal is famous for football, even more so than cricket. And it was very much a footballing nation, and really in the 70s and 80s. And it was only cricket that kind of caught on, probably, in the 80s and 90s, really. So they haven't had a long time to to build up their their cricketing infrastructure, but it's growing now. I think the Bangladesh Premier League has has obviously helped, you know, advertise, commercialise the game. And I I actually like the story of uh, their their six-wicket hall man in the second New Zealand innings, Ebedet Hussain, 
who until recently was a volleyball player. So, you know, they're drawing in talent from various sort of sporting areas and gradually growing growing the the, the the, the, the talent base and winning away from home will just inspire that more. Yeah, because they've beaten England in Bangladesh in a test match. They've beaten Australia uh, in a test match in, in Bangladesh. But you're right about the pitches and the conditions. They are extreme and for England and Australian players generally. You know, they, those pitches you talk about. And last time we remember Mahedi Hassan uh, bowled Bangladesh to victory against India, the ball you know against England, and the ball was spinning a lot. You know, England were all at sea, and then when they come to England, they you know they've been and they don't come to England that much actually, but they've been you know, roundly beaten. So yeah, to do to do that, I think it's really made everyone sit up and take notice. It feel it feels like a sort of good news story uh, for Test cricket. New Zealand uh, listeners and supporters won't necessarily see it like that. You, you they might argue you know it's a real sort of it's a, it's a bit of a wake up call for them. It's it's a it's a a, a big upset for them, and it, it also knocks your pride a bit, doesn't it? I mean, to go from you know one t- test match in the in the summer where they beat India at Southampton to become World Test champions to losing at home to Bangladesh is a significant setback. We're talking about this because there wasn't a great deal of play at the Sydney uh, cricket da- ground today. Well, we're talking about this because it's you know we we can celebrate Bangladesh's victory, and right rightfully so, but there wasn't a great deal of play at the Sydney cricket ground. I can think of sort of some great days. Test match cricket that I've been to and watched on on television and been to, you know, you think of Stokes at at Headingley, you know, as being the high, and then you think of today at the SCG and you think, well, yeah, that was sort of down there really. It was one of those days of, of Test cricket that you almost can't wait to end because you know, on off, on off, really frustrating for everyone. But in a strange way, it it sort of played into England's hands because they didn't have to be out in the field for a, a full day. I thought what was interesting was that the toss, both captains uh, said they would have batted, and yet you felt they were seemingly good bowling conditions. The pitch had a tinge of green in it, albeit we didn't get out onto the ground and sort of put your hand down and feel it, so it might have been sort of dry but sort of held together by the grass. But the overheads were yeah, bowler-friendly, and also you knew it was going to be an on-off day, so you knew it was going to be hard for the batsman's concentration, and also... The fact that you could sort of keep your pace bowlers fresh because they weren't going to be bowling long spells because they're going to be going off the field and, and resting and recuperating. There was a spell where they were off the field for for two hours, so it was an interesting decision uh, from Pat Cummings. I think they think it's a bit dry, so it might get a bit uneven towards the end. I think that's one of the reasons you know you sort of take your chances a bit in the first innings, but you do wonder what it would have been like if England had batted first. If Australia said, right, here we go, you you, you bat first under these conditions. Or Joe Root, he said he was going to bat first. So it, it, it might have sort of worked out quite well for England, mm. sort of good, good toss to lose, the old cliche. Yeah, I mean, of course, Sydney famously used to be a, a spinning pitch. All the spinners would be rubbing their hands with glee, notably Shane Warne when turning up to the SCG. It, it seems to have changed. Actually, I like the... Um, the story in Chapel told on Test Match Special about Richie Benno, who of course was very much a, a New South Wales Sydney man who must have loved bowling at the the SCG, uh, bowling his leg spin. And he said the first time Benno ever went to the SCG, he saw Clary Grimmett and Bill O'Reilly both bowling in tandem, both fantastic leg spinners. Clary, Clary Grimmett actually was the leading Test wicket taker of all time. Uh, took, I think, 216 test wickets in the 1930s and uh, was an absolute icon of Australian cricket and 
very much uh, at home at the SCG. Bill O'Reilly, Tiger O'Reilly, six foot two inches, uh, very sort of sharp leg spin bowler as well. Very uh, vociferous character, kind of feisty, sort of aggressive bowler. The, uh, the bowler that Bradman said was the, the best bowler he'd ever played with. Um, those two in tandem must have been a, a wonderful sight. But Sydney has changed, and it seems as if the the ground now, the pitch now, is more suitable to a bit of seam, but mainly a, a batting friendly pitch, which doesn't break up as much. I mean, Australian pitches have changed over the years, which is interesting. And I thought today England were pretty good, actually. Um, I thought, you know, they held Australia pretty well. I still want to see the ball pitched up a bit more. I think they did do that in periods, but actually just towards the end there, when Smith was in tandem firstly with Labuschagne and then and then out came Oswan Kawada, they went back to back of a length bowling and short bowling and batsmen able to leave the ball again. I don't know. I It frustrates me because if you look at the three wickets that fell, they were all too... Well, I, I suppose Mark Wood's case that the ball to Labuschagne was a good length ball, but certainly the other two wickets, the, the wicket of... Harris to Anderson and the wicket of Warner, of course, to, to Stuart Broad, full-length balls and edged into the slip court. And that's what England have been seeking but not probing away enough for over the previous tests. Yeah, 126 for three at the close of play. It sort of feels a bit even, really. I mean, it's, I mean, England have had a reasonable day because of those two late wickets. I mean, it's not decisively gone their way, has it? Because you know, if it does get a bit uneven uh, towards the end, uh, and Australia were to put together a decent score in their first innings, you can see England under pressure in this Test match. The, I mean, the only problem is, and I say a problem, it actually might be England's best avenue for escaping a 5-0 drubbing in this series, is the fact that the forecast, again, for the second day is, is not particularly good. So it's, it's really hard to sort of predict uh, you know, where this game is, you know, how this game can advance. Uh, you, you know, it might be just you know, fighting against the, the weather conditions in Sydney uh, all, all week, in actual fact. I mean, on the, you know, on the, on the, on the weather app, it looks like there's going to be some rain on, on every single day. Mind you, having said that, you know, when, we, when I looked at the weather app this morning, it said you know, oh, 100% rain from about 11 o'clock to about 4 o'clock. Well, we didn't quite get that. And we had enough play, you know, we had half half a day's play. And we know full well, don't we, these days that in, in Test Match cricket, you don't necessarily need a, a full five days. But at Sydney, where the pitch is, is generally good for batting, you, you, you need longer than you do at, at, certainly at the MCG, where, you know, there was so much in it for the bowlers that it was always going to be a short game. I was in my father's old study last week. He passed away four years ago, but the room is still full of all his team sheets and address lists and other paraphernalia connected to running Colts teams at Ealing Cricket Club. He spent most of his evenings on the phone trying to book pitches and assemble junior teams and persuade parents to help with transport. There were constant dropouts and excuses and other issues. It was a right old headache. What he would have given for Spond. Spond is an app that is perfect for sports coaches, enabling smooth communication between team organisers, coaches, players and guardians. It's easy to use and totally secure. Spond works across any device and even allows you to share files, schedules, manage single or multiple events, make payments and send group and private messages. It even syncs with your calendar. And it's free. Half a million coaches already subscribe to it. Spond takes the hard work out of teamwork. My dad would have loved it. 
go to www.spond.com. Couple of uh, talking points, I suppose. Uh, firstly, England coming into this test with three coaching staff isolating in Melbourne, so certainly all hands on deck in terms of the support players and other uh, support staff to to help the players prepare. Um, Joe Root making quite strong comments. I thought speak spoke very well actually at the toss about the importance of players taking individual responsibility, which I suppose has been emphasised by the lack of uh, other sort of hands on deck, other coaches around this particular group uh, at this test match. And also Ashley Giles being quite defensive. Uh, you interviewed him yesterday and uh, he was certainly uh, sort of on the back foot and, and, and trying to um, not exactly reject the, the, the issues of the game, but kind of not um, not get too, too far ahead of himself uh, and, and very much sort of stressing uh, that it's been a tough two years and looking after the players' mental health has been the most important thing. Well, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was an interesting uh, interview. I mean, you know, at times quite passionate uh, from Ashley Giles. I mean, a lot of people said he, he sounded quite defensive. And I suppose what he was trying to do was defend what has happened out here in Australia. I mean, some of the things that resonated with me were, you know, well, look at the past. Who, who's done well here? I mean, that's not a great defence, isn't it? Everyone else has done badly, so therefore it's fine if we do badly. But he was saying that the pressures of COVID have you know, really been uh, intense on the players. You know, they play so much cricket and they played it in bubbles with restrictions and constant testing. And, you know, it has it clearly has been uh, sort of ramped up here in, in, in the last week or so with what happened at, at the MCG where you know, players within, uh, sorry, where the coaching staff members did test positive and they had to change, you know, players had to sort of, during a test match, they were being moved out of hotel rooms, families were being isolated, you know, quite disruptive uh, during a test match game. So, you know, he, he was basically, it reminded me a little bit of, of, of John Pullin, the, the former uh, a Bristol and England hooker, England, England captain, he's talking about rugby union here, who uh, in the 1970s, 1973, during the, the Troubles after Bloody Sunday in Ireland, England were one of the teams that went to Dublin to play in the Five Nations Championship, as it, as it was then, and some of the other countries didn't go, they didn't want to go, and John Pullin, in a, in a famous speech, I think it was at the dinner, uh, someone can correct me, but I, I think it was at the sort of post-match dinner. They always have a dinner after Rugby Union International in those days. He said, he stood up and he said, well, we might not be very good, but at least we turn up. And I, I, there, was a, there was a sort of hint of that in, in, in Ashley's interview. You know, we, we've largely speaking fulfilled our commitments and you know there, there have been a lot of commitments and we've you know generally speaking fulfilled them. of course they didn't in Pakistan which was a bit of a, a blot on the cobby but really because they only had to go there for four days but in terms of test matches you know they played a lot more than anybody else and you know it's important for well it's certainly important for the Australian cricket board that England are here it's one of the reasons why the, you feel why the series is continuing and there's so much money involved you can't Australian Cricket Australia do not want to hand back two-fifths of the broadcasting revenue to the broadcasters. That's such a lot of money that, that's lost to the game. And you know, people say, well, that's you know cynical. You're making the players play just, just for money. Well, 
there is obviously inevitably there's a commercial aspect to it and you know we saw it in England didn't we when the West Indies came over and Pakistan came over they helped keep the English game going I think that was the disappointing thing about Pakistan that England didn't go there and, mm. and, and give something back to Pakistan no, I'm I mean, really disappointed it's a good point and, and actually of course with Australia it's not only one broadcaster is it it's two different TV stations covering the test series and I think three radio stations as well or it certainly was in the last Ashes so you know there's a lot of kind of people invested in in these test series isn't there yeah, I mean, it's not you know, you're not just talking about domestic broadcasters and you know international yeah. broadcasters yeah. as well who buy the rights. I'm sure the I don't know. I'm sure there's a contract, for example, to show the Ashes in India, which presumably makes the cricket Australia quite a lot of money. And obviously, BT Sport as well are covering it in the UK. They would have paid their their share. Beat the BBC for, for Test Match Special and for uh, highlights rights as well. So you know, there's there's all this all this money that is is so important uh, to the game and. It, it, but cricket boards have to sort of look after each other. I think there's a feeling, isn't there, that you you know one board helps you out, you help them out, and to to mitigate you know the situation, England are going to go back to Pakistan and play the matches they didn't play um, last year. So you know there there is that as well. I mean, let's fingers crossed that that uh, goes ahead. So uh, anyway, and and the other thing that really struck me with, with Ashley Giles's interview as well. I mean he. I think he want he wants to continue. I asked him about his own future, and you know, he said that well, you can. It's up to someone up to someone else to decide whether I continue in my job. And there are often there are a lot of um, sackings after an, or changes after a, an Ashes series, and you know there must be question marks against managing director, against coach, you know, captain. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but one thing Ashley Giles said, you know, you can sack the coach, you can sack the captain, you can sack me, but. All we're doing is sort of pushing mm. uh, problems down the road because what this is about, yeah, what this is about are sort of endemic problems in the game. You know, are we producing spin bowlers to to go and do well in India? Are we producing batters to come and do well in Australia and and India? Are we producing enough fast bowlers uh, to do well in in Australia? You know, England haven't done particularly well in New Zealand either uh, recently. You know, so it's those issues as well that 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 need to be addressed. So, so yeah, he was defensive, in, and uh, but I think you know he talked about the, his pride in the players, the fact that they have you know, coped with the the conditions that that, that um, they've had to put up with in, in these sort of COVID times. Oh, one one thing he would say though, I mean, lots of people in all walks of life, all over the world, have had to you know, deal with difficult conditions as well. So there you know, there is that bottom line, and also lots of people have lost loved ones as well as a result of of covid so you, you can balance it up with that but yeah i mean i i didn't i didn't he was defensive but i also thought it was quite a sort of uh, an eloquent and passionate defense of what england have had to put up with not a defense of the way they played because i, I don't think you can defend that because i think they they play poorly out here and their mistakes made but you know there are there are mitigating factors definitely so the question is um and I make this segue into NFTs unapologetically. Who is going to be the Ashes hero of tomorrow for England or Australia, indeed? And I, I only refer to that because we have got these Ashes Heroes NFTs on our site, AshesHeroes.com, for you to bid for. And NFTs is Collins Dictionary's word of 2021. So it's something to look out for. It's like a, a, a digital panini sticker. And, uh, and do have a look at the, our Ashes Heroes site because there's some really interesting characters on there as well as 
interesting art and uh, we'd love you to bid for those. Who's going to be the Ashes heroes for the second day's play? Smith, who hasn't really delivered yet? Or could it be Cameron Green getting some runs? Or could it be Mark Wood taking five for? What's your, what's your reckoning? Yeah, well, you, you'd think that the wicket of Smith is, is vital on the second day. If England can get him early, then you feel that you know, they obviously restricted the Australian top order and just put some pressure on middle and lower order. And you would think that the conditions are going to be still reasonable for, for bowling. I mean, essentially, it's a, good, it's a good batting pitch, but good bowling conditions. I think that's, I think that's what's made it, or made it more interesting on the, on the first day. We obviously didn't quite have enough cricket. Uh, Smith, key wicket. And 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 Wood, yeah, he's, he's been. I've been impressed with Mark Wood in this series because he's been at Australia. He's he's been a point of difference, and I, you, I, I sort of sense that if you spoke to the Australians uh, sort of privately or among themselves, and they were sort of honest, they would they would say something like, "Yeah, that Mark Wood, he's 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 got it going. He's got it coming down at us, you know." And he's, he's rattled one or two in this series. He's got Labuschagne out uh, twice in quick succession in the series. He certainly upset Warner. And, you know, can he have a go at, at Steve Smith tomorrow and un unsettle him as well? Um, he's an important uh, man in the, in the team, isn't he, over this yeah. tour? Because he's such a, a lively character. He's such a funny character. You, you know, we had Chris Wokes in the Virtual Cricket Club uh, last year and we asked him, who's your favourite person in the dressing room? And he said, Mark Wood. And we said, who's your least favourite person in the dressing room he said Mark Wood so sometimes you can get too much of him but Woody's a, a very valuable vibrant character I think in that dressing room to keep everybody going um, so you know I, I'm sure he's helped in, in through these difficult times actually and hopefully he can get his rewards yeah, and I suppose one player that England would really sort of love to join in in the series, and it has, you know, you look, you look at the figures and, and sort of people will look back in, in, in years in the future and say, well, you know, that, that player there had a disappointing series. How, how did he make it through to the end of the series? And when you look at his numbers, you know, taking his wickets you know, in the 60s and scoring his runs at 16 is Ben Stokes. Not for not for want of trying. I mean, he's, you just sense that he's really... You know, he's really putting it all in. But it's for whatever reason it is, whether it's rustiness, whatever, whether it's the, you know, it's, it's problems that he had in the summer. He's not quite being able to sort of find that level. But not, not again, not for want of trying. He's running in, he's bowled his overs. Uh, he's, he's tried to tough it out in the middle when he's, when he's batting. But it hasn't quite come for him in, in, the, in this series. And, you know, he hasn't taken a wicket in, in this innings. Perhaps, you know, perhaps someone like Stokes, you talk about crucial players on the on the second day and 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 that's all responding to Graham Thorpe's rallying cry. You know, go go out there, don't die wondering. Um, perhaps perhaps Ben Stokes. He was actually in the nets on the uh, in the lead up to the game, and he was against some spinners in the, in the nets on on the in the middle at the SCG because the the net pitches are on the extremities on, on either side of the central pitch and he was really he was really taking it to the spinners you know, you know developing his attacking game so whether he's able to translate that um, into his batting when he goes out into the middle uh, we shall see but that, you know I think they 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 England missed Stokes last time and they missed Stokes this time as well do, 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 you, do you know what I mean by mm. that yeah yeah I do yeah he just hasn't been able to enforce his personality on the series uh, as yet, but there is still time. He is, by the way, in our Ashes Heroes NFT collection as one of the hundred 
greatest Ashes heroes. He's in the mid-30s in our rankings, but he's still available for sale. So look out for that, AshesHeroes.com. And, of course, it's been the batting, which has largely been England's problem through this series so far. We have an interesting character on our virtual cricket club tonight, uh, a man who has opened the batting for England with a, a fair degree of success, actually, in the recent past. Nick Compton is our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club, our first guest for 2022. And you can join us live to ask Nick a question or hear his comments. He'll be quite forthright about England's batting woes. It's 7.30 tonight. If you go to worldsbestcricketclub.com, it's uh, six, £6 pounds a month to join, but part of the proceeds do go to the Cricketers Trust, the Professional Cricketers Trust, the charity that supports players falling on hard times. Nick Compton tonight at 7.30pm, when I imagine, Simon, you'll be in bed. <laughs> it was a long day today, Yoz, I tell you. Um, uh, and actually, they... So it's 6.30am your time, yeah. which isn't great no. for you. They too. feel, they, they, it's funny, they, yeah, do do join Nick Compton. I'm sure he will have some uh, things to say. In, in a way, he was the... Um, he was one of those victims of not being Andrew Strauss. And I think that's happened to a lot of England openers, hasn't it? Since Andrew Strauss, when he you know, retired, they were looking for something of that level. And But actually, as it's turned out, no one has, has, has even approached that level, but some have been better than others. And he, Nick Compton was able to reach a level for a while and and then it sort of rotated out and someone else was given a go and that they didn't quite do it. And then someone... And they've been so through so many openers over the years. I mean, it, it, it is remarkable. Um, there was a stat, actually, wasn't there, recently, that uh, since the uh, debut of Joe Root... No other England batsman in the top seven has averaged over 37. Uh, you know, there, there have been a number of players who retired after Root made his debut, but of those who've made their debut since Joe Root, nobody's averaged over 37, apart from Root himself, of course, which is, which is a sad indictment of English batting. That's something I think we'll look at in a subsequent podcast. But I think we've, we've said it all today and... We just want to congratulate Bangladesh again for that brilliant victory in New Zealand and remind you about Nick Compton tonight in the World's Best Cricket Club, worldsbestcricketclub.com. Join us. Uh, if you can't join us tonight, we'll be back tomorrow to review the second day's play from the SCG. And let's hope the weather plays its part on the second day um, because cricket so relies on decent weather, as we all know, and today was unsatisfactory for the spectators who, who turned up and and paid their money, and for, the, and for the players as well, those on-off days. No no one enjoys them, but even Stevens, I would say, after the first day at the SCG. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.